Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis just wrapped its third straight week of protests against police brutality. People marched in Baldwin, in St. Anne, and in Webster Groves. They marched in the city's Hill neighborhood, and they demonstrated at Keener Plaza. And for the second straight week, things stayed peaceful. That's even though the city of St. Louis lifted its curfew last Monday. And so joining me with an update is St. Louis Public Radio reporter Jason Rosenbaum. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So this has now been going on for about three weeks. Uh, what were some highlights from the weekend? Well, what you mentioned before, there was a large march. March uh, within the Parkway School District in West St. Louis County. There was the one in the Hill neighborhood. There was a Latinx uh, protest in St. Anne. And you're really seeing a lot of these protests spreading everywhere throughout the St. Louis region. It's much different from 2014 and 2015, where it was confined in Ferguson or downtown St. Louis. And it wasn't as racially mixed as we're seeing. But I think uh, because so much has changed since 2014 and there has been this rising white population center in St. Louis County that is more amenable to police accountability issues or that's kind of a euphemistic way of trying to get police to stop killing black people. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of those types of people join these protests, which is why you're seeing like large-scale ones in Webster or, or even West St. Louis County. And yet it felt like in the last couple of days, at least, there wasn't anything of like the giant scale, that these were maybe a, a bit smaller. Do you have the sense that they're, they're losing steam at all? I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think that they are just becoming so abundant, and, they're, they're, and many of the protests have a pretty unified message that it may seem like it's losing steam, um, I think we should all be really thankful that even though I would say the protesters probably wouldn't say that they're peaceful because they're definitely making some pretty urgent demands, but they're, they're nonviolent. Um, I, I think that we can all be happy about that regardless of the continuum where you fall on for the protests. Yeah, and that, it seems like that has been the case every day, every night since that one really bad night. That was a Monday, um, and it seemed to mostly hit in St. Louis City. Um, you know, the former police captain, David Dorn, uh, was killed. Four police officers were shot. Since that night, things have felt very quiet. Why do you think that is? They haven't necessarily been quiet because some of the largest protests have happened after that. But the protest leaders came out the next day. They unequivocally condemned the violence against uh, retired uh, Captain Dorn and the, the police officers. They took a day off, which I think was a brilliant strategy because if anybody would have come out that night, it would have been people that were not there for the right reasons. I, I don't know. I can't really say if there's been a conscious effort to weed out bad actors. I'm always hesitant to say that quote unquote protesters are the people committing crimes. Sure. I think that there's a wide belief that once you throw a rock through a window or shoot somebody, you're not protesting anymore, you're a criminal. And I think that a lot of protest leaders have taken that same approach. Um, and I, I think ever since then, it's been just a completely different atmosphere. But I don't think it's slowed down. I mm -hmm. think it's actually gained a lot of steam. There have been a lot of people out there marching. Yes. So the big flashpoint locally um, seems to be an incident that happened in Florissant. Now, this was captured on one of those video doorbell cameras, Real STL News, which mm -hmm. is kind of on the ground, does a lot of streaming and stuff. They got this video, um, and from there it just took off. What do we know about what happened in this incident? Um, the details are a little sketchy, but from watching the video, a 
a police detective named Joshua Smith was driving an SUV and hit a man. We don't know who the man's name is. We don't know how old he is, but he hit a man, got out of the car, and from watching the video, struck him. I, I thought I saw him kick him. I'm not sure. It if looked you saw like it. it. Yeah, it certainly saw it. It was dark, but. Um, it looked like he was kind of wailing on him, honestly, at one point of this video. Yeah, from watching the video multiple times, that seems to be the what I saw. And uh, it created a firestorm. The Joshua Smith uh, was suspended, and two other people who were in the car were put on paid administrative leave. Last week, Florissant Police Chief, uh, well, the Florissant Police Chief uh, Fagan fired Smith. But I think that there's a lot of people who were at protests in Florissant that want Smith criminally prosecuted. They see the firing as kind of a first step. Then they want to see him arrested, indicted with something, and eventually convicted. Do you think there's any chance of that happening? Well, right now, the St. Louis County Police Department is investigating. They're not going to be turning it over to St. Louis County Prosecutor Wesley Bell because there is a conflict. Wesley Bell's, like, I guess spokesperson, but somebody who works with his office, Tim Swope, his son was in the car. So was in the car that this police detective was driving. Right. Yeah. Boy, what a small world it because, can be. Because uh, Swope was a former police. Uh, I think he used to work for I think a, a police state. Uh, he certainly worked for the North County Police Cooperative, but he also was in, in St. Charles for a while. So that family has a pretty lengthy history of being in law enforcement. Mm. So because of that familial tie. Wesley Bell said he had a conflict of interest, and Tim Lomar, who's the St. Charles County prosecutor, will be the person that, I guess, makes the final call on whether to prosecute Joshua Smith or not. So this is being looked at for possible charges. Right. And I I think the investigation from when I, I, all my reporting is from last week, but the investigation is still ongoing, according to the St. Louis County Police Department. I will just point out that Scott Rosenblum is a noted attorney. Not related to me, by the way. I'm Rosenbaum. He's Rosenblum. I've heard from other media outlets that he's representing Smith and has classified this as an accident. Hmm. So I just want to make sure that that perspective is conveyed. Um, But I I think that people are not going to be happy in Florissant unless there is some sort of criminal justice process beyond just the administrative process of him not being a a detective anymore. Now, you mentioned that we don't know who this victim is. Nobody has has named the person who was hit by this police SUV and who then appeared to have been violently arrested. Do we know anything about the context here? I know you talked to an attorney representing this man's family. Yeah, I talked with Gerald Christmas about that. Uh, He mentioned that uh, this person's ankle was shattered. Um, I've read elsewhere that he he might have been arrested on unrelated charges, but um, I don't know much about him. <laughs> there were a lot of people at the protest that were like, we don't want this person named because he's a victim, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the same concept that, you know, if somebody is a victim of a crime, they don't necessarily want their name put out because as we've seen with other African-Americans who have been killed by police, like one of the knee-jerk things is to bring up that person's history and try to discredit them. I think that's kind of where this this the, it's going on that. That's probably why the person hasn't stepped forward uh, voluntarily. And your sense from talking to Gerald Christmas, the attorney for this family, this is not somebody who wants the, no, the spotlight. No, clearly not. 
Okay. Well, it's an interesting case. It feels like there's so much we don't know about this. And yet there have been some crowds that have been going to the Ferguson uh, uh, Police Department and City Hall to protest. Or Florissant. (laughs) Sorry. No, but that's good that you mentioned that because Florissant is an unusual city compared to other St. Louis County municipalities. Unlike Ferguson, where the city manager is in charge of everything, the mayor of Florissant is a strong mayor. So all the accountability flows to him because Hmm. he appoints all the department heads and he is responsible for managing the police department. They can't use the argument that, well, this happened and it's, it's an unelected person's responsibility. So it's, it's, it's different than I think Ferguson in that respect, because Ferguson did have kind of a multi-layered government where there's an elected, there's elected office that kind of oversees the unelected office but that's not, in in Florissant, it's combined. That may seem wonky, but it means that like Mayor Lowry, who's the mayor of Florissant, I mean, a lot of what happens next, it, it it's all the accountability is going to go to the elected government. He think, could face some heat over this, definitely. And uh, Florissant's an interesting city in the sense that it has diversified racially su- substantially over the last twenty or thirty years. I think it used to be a pretty largely white city, and it's still. Mm-hmm has a substantial white population, but it also has a substantial black population now. So I think not only the white residents, but I'm sure the black residents are going to expect this situation to be adjudicated right, rightly, basically. So we're going to have to keep an eye on this. Uh, It sounds like at this point, it's in the hands of the St. Louis County Police and then St. Charles County Prosecutor Tim Lomar. They'll be making the decisions on what happens next. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, And I sort of jumped the gun by accidentally calling Florissant Ferguson, but that's a great transition to the one last thing I did want to ask you about today. And that is that I believe it's tomorrow a new mayor takes office in Ferguson. That's the city's first black mayor, Ella Jones. We have her on the show two weeks ago, and you also interviewed her predecessor. That's the current mayor, James Knowles III, for your Politically Speaking podcast. I did. I was really uh, thankful for outgoing Mayor Knowles for talking with me. I've known him well before Michael Brown's shooting death, and he's been through a lot for somebody who has some ability to change policy if he has the city council aligned with it. But as I mentioned before, he doesn't run the day to day, but he gets all the responsibility because people don't understand that nuance. He talked about how the uh, Michael Brown shooting death uh, impacted his town. He talked about how he felt that more places in St. Louis should have been uh, targeted by the federal consent decree instead of just Ferguson. And he also just talked about like what cities like Louisville and Minneapolis may have down the line uh, with the reconciliation process that's to come. It's a really interesting interview. Um, this guy was certainly controversial during his tenure, um, but it's it's interesting to hear in his own words. And if people want to hear that interview, it's pretty long. Um, it is on our St. Louis Public Radio website, stlpublicradio.org, or the Politically Speaking podcast. Uh, people can download it there for free. Um, I want to play a clip from this. Now, you asked him to reflect on the 2016 consent decree between the city of Ferguson and the Department of Justice. And here's what he said. You know, we're six square mile town of 22,000 people. If you think that the, the unrest in the nation's caused by, you know, 50 cops in 2014, I mean, you absolutely have no clue what's going on in, in the nation. But it was an easy scapegoat for elected officials who didn't want to talk about themselves to lump that on the city of Ferguson. And that's what happened, not just statewide, but nationwide. Today, you know, again, you know, almost five years later, 
what do we what do we continue to hear? I continue to get emails from people saying, Mayor, why haven't you implemented the entirety of the Ferguson Commission report? Well, they obviously didn't read it, right? Because if they read it, they would know it's not about Ferguson solely or specifically. Uh, we've spent millions and millions of dollars on legal fees, on training, on uh, monitor costs for, again, this small group of officers, yet you know, we still have officers running people down in town, you know, nearby. And that is Ferguson Mayor James Knowles III, the outgoing mayor there. He seems to be referring to the situation in Florissant. Are mainly any other police uh, community relations, which again is euphemistic for, you know, black people being abused by the police. The interesting thing about that clip is that has actually become a pretty widely viewed criticism of the federal response to Ferguson. You will find people like Antonio French, a former alderman, and Arch City defenders Hmm. who will basically say the same thing, that by the federal government only going after Ferguson but not exerting the same type of pressure on other cities, including like the city of St. Louis or St. Louis County or any other munis, uh, they really failed and missed a huge opportunity to, to to bring widespread change. So whether or not you like James Knowles, that opinion is pretty widespread. One last question for you. After all the time you've spent with Knowles over the years, what do you see as his legacy in Ferguson? It's a, it's a complicated legacy because, as he mentioned on the show, he engendered just tons and tons of criticism. As a white Republican mayor of a largely black town, um, people are just going to probably criticize him regardless of what he has to say. But his legacy will be that they they did make a lot of changes after for after Michael Brown's death, some which were done because of the consent decree and some, as he'll point out, they did on their own. Mm-hmm. So the town has changed a lot. And I agree with him when he says people that say nothing has changed are just not looking at the whole picture sure that not every everybody will will see all those changes as positive but he definitely was consequential well st louis public radio reporter jason rosenbaum thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me and again you can catch that whole conversation with Knowles on the politically speaking podcast this is st louis on the air on st louis public radio 90.7 kwmu Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.